morning. This morning's reading is taken from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. And it's found on page 1063 in the Church Bibles and 1613 in the large print version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. In actual fact, the concern had been to do something this morning which would be relevant to Adoption Sunday, which is being observed in uh, a number of places, and we wanted to recognize that ourselves as a church. As a result, then, I'm revisiting a subject which I have preached on here over four years ago on a Sunday evening. And if any of you can remember that, then that's uh, brownie points for you. I want to begin by showing you a picture. This is a man whose real name was John, but many people called him Jimmy. He was born over a hundred years ago. He left school at the age of 13 in order to drive a horse and cart for a laundry. As he grew up, he later worked in a metal foundry for most of his life. He was converted amongst the Plymouth Brethren, and he's been in heaven for 40 years. Now you may say, why do I have an interest in this man? Well, it's because he's my father. I have the right to call him father. And I'm glad to do so. 
We're going to think about these verses in John 1, which perhaps I could ask you to look at now. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. John 1, 12. Yet to all who did receive him, that is Jesus Christ, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Yes, the careful of you will notice the word adoption doesn't occur in the text. But it does refer to the right to become the children of God. And the word there that's used is authority. Adoption is an act of authority by which someone who wasn't born into the family, it speaks here about not being born of natural descent, as I was from my father, but born in a way of adoption into that family. Now, I want you to share this morning my enthusiasm for the subject of adoption because of the great blessing it is in my life, and I trust it will be in your life too. It is the key to one of the matters that is so significant in our life, the matter of assurance. Are you sure you're really a Christian? Well, adoption is one of the keys to that. That's why we want to sing about it. That's why we were singing a few moments ago, now I am your child. I am adopted in your family and I can never be alone for Father God, you're there beside me. And then we sing, I will sing your praises. It's a subject that causes us to praise God that we are adopted into God's family in Jesus Christ. I'm going to look at four aspects of this with you this morning. And the first, to have a brief look at adoption in Bible times. What would this subject mean to people who first read the New Testament? What was the idea of adoption round about them? Today, most parents adopt because they're unable to bear a child naturally and they want to help some needy children and so they were adopting for the benefit of the child. But in first century Israel, that was certainly not the case. There are three cultures present in the New Testament days which we must just Uh, look at very briefly. First of all, the Roman customs. It was part of the Roman Empire. Now, Israel in the Roman Empire uh, was surrounded by people who had quite a low view of the status of children. Almost all adoption of adults into the families of Roman people was because it it would bring some social or political advantage to them. They weren't really concerned about the child. What they did, they looked for a family nearby that was somewhere higher up the social scale and by adopting one of their children into our family, we then were raised up the social scale a bit. That's what the Roman culture was. 
But Greek, of course, was a predominant effect in Israel too. The Greek language was the language which was spoken all over the Roman Empire. And in the Mediterranean world, there were so many people influenced by Greek culture. Now, what is it that they wanted to do with adoption? Well, they had the subject which um, uh, many people in our culture too find, and that is they had no male heir to carry forward the children, so they'd find another male from another family. They would adopt that male into their family so they could have continuity of their family and also have somebody to look after them in their old age. Again, something for the benefit of the parents. Now, we have a misunderstanding about uh, Jewish customs because when we think about Jewish families, we hear about those who have been educated like... uh, Saul of Tarsus and others of them who went to, went to school. But most of the children in Israel didn't go to school in New Testament times. It was an agrarian culture and the children were there to work on the farm. And the bigger they grew, the more they were able to earn. And so if they didn't have enough children or if they didn't have any children, they had to adopt into their family so they had someone who was going to work for them as they grew up. And the the three things that uh, uh, we're looking at, whether from uh, Roman or Greek or or Jewish culture, all have this thing in common. When they adopted, it was to do something which would benefit the parents. But now we're going to look at what happens in the Christian life as we move on to see adoption as God's grace. Because it's very clear from what we've been singing and saying about adoption so far that when God adopts into his family, it's for the benefit of the children. It's for our benefit. God is all-sufficient. God has all that he needs but he brings sinners into his family as an act of his grace. Just as the cross is an act of his grace, where Jesus comes and bears the punishment we deserved and frees us from the uh, judgment that was going to be ours. So it's an act of his grace when he adopts us then into his family to give us the right to call him our Heavenly Father. Uh, Have you got your notice sheet today? Uh, On the front of your notice sheet, you'll find there's a text. And this one says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are children of God, not because of any birth, but by our being adopted into God's family. What great love that is. Now we often speak about our conversion to become Christians as something that we do, and that's right. We must believe, we must repent. It's something that's something that is uh, involved in our actions coming to Christ. But adoption is looking at it from another side. It's saying, what has God done? God has adopted us, otherwise we would not be able to do those things. 
And because it's something that God has done, you can see how important that is for our assurance. If God does something, nobody can stop him. And nothing can prevent his will being sustained. Let me just explain one thing that we don't always get clear about adoption. Adoption is not about our nature, it's about our legal status. Verse 13 of this verse in John chapter 12 says, Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The purpose of adoption is so that someone has a different legal standing in our family. If you were to take a child that's just been adopted and on the day before you have a scan of that child's body and how healthy they are and then a week later you take another scan, they would be identical because nothing of their nature has changed. But on the day after they have been adopted, they have a very different status as far as inheritance is concerned. And that's one of the big things that the Bible is going to open up to us. This legal right, this staggering riches that God has given to us, that we should be joint heirs with Christ so that as the Son of God inherits all the future that God has prepared in heaven, so his adopted children share that inheritance with him. And there's something which is uh, uh, of great interest to, to us nowadays, and that is the fact that um, this is true whether we realize it or not. You will know that there are some adopted children whose parents choose not to tell them. And they may go on the whole of their life being adopted, but not even knowing about that. That's a pity because it doesn't give them the opportunity of saying how grateful they are for the special character of the love that has brought them into their family in this way. And even if you're a Christian who doesn't understand anything about adoption, that doesn't take away the fact that you are adopted. And the more we know about it, the more we'll be able to enjoy and be thankful to God for it. So I want to move on now to just three Bible passages. If you've got your Bible, perhaps you'll turn over to one of these passages now. I want to see how adoption is part of God's plan. And the first scripture to look at is in Ephesians and chapter 1. It's on page 1173 in the Church Bible. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to this church at Ephesus, and he's beginning to praise God. Verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now this is a big subject. Let's be careful how we tread. 
because the idea of God having a plan before the world was created is something that does create problems for some people of a philosophical bent. But we can't avoid the fact that it says here in the Bible, doesn't it, that this wasn't something that happened after we were born, it was something that happened before we were, before even the world was created. Before our parents before, before Adam appeared, God had chosen those that he's going to adopt as his sons and daughters. I think we understand this word predestined a little better if we remember that it's really about destination. You see, God has planned our lives, hasn't he? And he's planned not just the journey, but the destination of where we are going. And that includes our adoption into his family and our enjoyment of those privileges. It does seem to me a little bit odd that some people can believe that God has prepared heaven without preparing who's going to live there. Of course he's prepared who's going to be living there. It's part of the plan that he had before the world was created. Now does Paul scratch his head when he sees this and and says he wants to, to write about it? No, it's all part of his praise, isn't it? It's starting in verse 3, praise be to God because of this. And then after uh, verse 5, in accordance with his pleasure and will, it goes on to say, to the praise of his glorious grace. God, in his glorious grace, planned our adoption before even the world was made. But the experience of it is here and now. The experience of adoption is something which we enjoy in the here and now. Just another scripture to look at, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, page 1135. In verse 15 and 16 of Romans 8, Paul writes, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. In the here and now, we are adopted and given the spirit of adoption. Now I said... It's all about a legal right, and that's perfectly true. But with the rights of being called God's children, he gives us the spirit of his son, Jesus Christ, so that the spirit of Christ comes to live inside his adopted children. So we have a new motive, we have a new desire, we have a new spirit and outlook. Our life is being changed because the right to be his children is accompanied now by the spirit of his son, by which we can call him Abba, Father. Now just think for a moment. What would it would be like to be adopted into a family of the nobility in our country? You would think, well, that would change my life, wouldn't it? But we're adopted into the family 
of the God of heaven, of the ruler of the universe, of the God of such awesome majesty, the ruler of all things, who comes and gives us his son and gives us the privilege of being welcomed into his family. This is what it means here and now. And despite who we are and our sins and our muddles and our failures and our past, he doesn't say, I'm not going to adopt you because of who you are. He says, if you come to Jesus, then I will adopt you as you are and grant you the privilege and the joy of being my child. But one more scripture to look at, and that is Romans chapter 8 and verse 23. Because this tells us that whereas adoption was before the world was made and is granted to us here and now, it's fully enjoyed not till we get to heaven. Romans 8 and verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Now what's all this about? You said we've all got adoption here and now. Now it says we're waiting. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Whilst we have the right to be his children and we have the spirit of Christ within us, we're still living out that life in these bodies. And that can be tough, can't it? What happens to our bodies? Well, they carry the scars of our past failures. They're subject to all kinds of ills. Bits start going wrong. And that causes a lot of trouble to us and the people around us. But that's not going to be forever, is it? Part of the inheritance that we receive with Christ is the inheritance when we will have new bodies fit for a new heaven and a new earth. And that is what's called here the redemption of our bodies. It's like having an inheritance that is promised and one day we're going to receive it. But we're in that period of waiting until the full enjoyment of our adoption is ours with Christ, with all the people of Christ, with all the redeemed in Christ, with all those adopted in Christ, in heaven, in the new heaven and the new earth. The fullest enjoyment of our adoption awaits till then. Just three important applications then as we come towards the close. Three applications. If what I've been saying this morning is true, and it's from the Bible, and I believe it's true, then you must believe that God is not the father of everyone. Not everyone is adopted in God's family. Now, a lot of people in this world don't like you saying that, and they quarrel with it. There is what we call 
universalism that's common amongst many people, many religious people, many Christian people. But we have to say, with the authority of the Bible, that there are some who have been adopted and some who have not. Otherwise, this doesn't make sense. But immediately we say that, we must add the second application. And that is that everyone can be adopted. Anyone can be adopted. This adoption is grounded in the grace of God. And he says here in John chapter 1 and verse 12, let's read it again, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's not a few, but it's all who receive him. And so wherever we go in the world, we take this gospel. Wherever we go in the world, we make this offer. Wherever we go amongst our friends and our colleagues, we can say, yes, there is the privilege of being adopted, and you can know that now. You can know it today. If someone here this morning has not yet had the thrill of knowing that God is now our Father, we can call him our Father, we're heirs with Christ, then this is something which can happen here and now. The Bible is very plain. It says to those who received Christ, to believe in him, to trust ourselves to him. It's an act of God, so you must ask God to do it. Ask God to receive you. Ask God to see not your sin, but the beauty of Jesus and all that he's done and achieved for you and say, I want to be adopted into your family, not because of who I am, but because of who Jesus is. And that is the gospel we bring and the gospel we offer. It's not an adoption of of exclusivity, but of including all those who come to God in the name of Jesus. The last application I want simply to leave with you is this. Nothing can rob Christians of this right. Nothing can rob Christians of this right. We are adopted by an act of God, and what God has done, no man, no thing, no one can prevent It's a privilege we have now. It's a privilege which we shall enjoy even more fully when we get to heaven. But it's something that can be our assurance today and forever. What amazing love. What absolute surety. No wonder Romans 8 begins, uh, ends with these verses. I'll read Romans 8. 38 to 39. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, not anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No wonder I'm thrilled at what adoption means to you and to me.